Is the COVID vaccine killing people? And are we headed for another lockdown this fall? You're listening to your radio activist on the Mark Carrington Show. Mark Harrington Show is brought to you by Created Equal, and you can support our work by going to createdequal.org. Uh, you can also pick up the Mark Harrington Show by going to our website at markharringtonshow.com. And if you would, go ahead and just uh, click on the YouTube icon there. Subscribe to our program and share it. Because we're also on social media on all the generally the, the public and pri- uh, the, the platforms there. And all the uh, the the popular podcast platforms as well. So uh, today on the program, we're going to have a part two of an interview with a whistleblower who sat on the uh, who sits on the COVID nineteen task force to talk about the vaccines. Last time, when I had the whistleblower on the program, we discussed the effects on pregnancy. Uh, in that the uh, vaccine was being traced to, uh, to miscarriages and others and other problems. And so today we want to continue that conversation uh, with the list whistleblower. Uh, and um, you know I had a lot of people jumping on social media questioning her credentials. and I just want to go back through these with everyone just so you know that uh, we just didn't find this person out on the street somewhere and had them answer questions. They come to us highly credentialed and very knowledgeable in this topic. So the whistleblower is a U.S. Army veteran or what? She's a veteran, right? Uh, She's uh, received the National Defense and Global War on Terrorism Service Medals. She has a Bachelor of Science in Molecular Biology a Master of Science in Nanoscience and Microsystems, and a Ph.D. in Engineering, focusing on nanoscience. And as I said before, she sits on the task force for COVID-19. So without further delay, uh, I welcome the whistleblower to the program. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Mark. So we left off talking primarily about the effects on pregnancy as it relates to the uh, COVID-19 vaccine. Half of the American people have now taken this, um, and, and we've talked about uh, a lot of the concerns that folks have. But I want to jump right in and just, you know, from the top, just ask you, uh, what is the difference between the mRNA vaccine and the DNA vaccine? Okay, so we have two mRNA vaccines, which are the Pfizer and the Moderna. These are messenger RNA, which is carried by a nanoparticle composite throughout the body. The other one is the J&J or the Janssen vaccine, which carries DNA genetic material inside of a viral vector. All three of the vaccines encode the COVID-19 viral spike. So Which although, is that little spiky thing that's on, you know, we see all the pictures, right? Right. Uh, the, yeah, you see the little ball and then there's those little red spiky things. Is that the spike protein? Yes, that's the spike protein. And that's okay. used to enter your cells. That's what the so virus that, uses. So, mm-hmm. so all the vaccines, both of them carry that spike protein, right? They carry a genetic code 
for producing that spike protein. Okay. So that's a little bit different than what we usually do with vaccines. Usually we'll give people a little bit of the virus and they'll learn to mount an immune response against the actual virus. What these do is they trick our own cells into manufacturing a part of the virus or um, tricking ourselves basically to express the viral spike on our own cell surfaces, which is different than anything we've ever done before. And the reason for that is for the, the body to then build up immunity against it? That's the rationale behind it. Okay. And that's how, is that generally how all vaccines work? No, not, not at all. So usually you would give someone a little bit of the, a little bit of the virus, introduce it to their body and their body can mount a response against all the parts of that virus, not just the little surface protein, not just that one little protein, but the viral enzymes, the parts on the inside of the virus, the viral genome, the parts on the outside of the virus. When you're infected or immunized with an actual virus, then you can make an immune response that recognizes the whole picture of the virus, not just this tiny little part of it. And what these vaccines do is they introduce the genetic material, whether it be RNA or DNA, for our own body to make parts of the virus. This is totally different. And then our cells now have this COVID spike on the surface. Okay. So what is the difference and what is the problem with the, the, uh, the COVID vaccine, so to speak, the, the, the injections, the current ones? Okay. So there are several problems just with using that method. One of the most important ones that I can see being a nanoscientist is that it's well known that if we administer nanoparticles to a body, whether a human or an animal, we know that these nanoparticles will travel all over the body. They will not just remain at the injection site. They will not just enter a certain type of cells like a virus will. They can cross the blood-brain barrier. They can enter your brain. Um, they are known to build up in the testes or in the ovaries, um, in the spleen. We've seen them in every vital organ in the body, which is very dangerous because even a natural infection is not necessarily able to enter every cell type in the body. So that was not the intent, though, right? I mean, wasn't the, the intent for the vaccine just to stay in the person's arm? Um, this has been well established since at least the early 2000s that we know that nanoparticles on this size, size range are able to distribute all over the body. So I don't know if that's a rumor or how that got started, but experts in the field are, are well aware of this. Okay. And so if these nanoparticles are distributed throughout the body and go to certain organs, what's the problem with that? Well, we're introducing what's called an antigen, which an antigen would be like the virus. It's something that your immune system will attack, right? So we're putting something that the immune system will attack on our own cells. How is the immune system going to know that this is not a virus or a virus infected cell? I mean, it stands to reason that this would confuse our immune system into attacking our own cells in some cases. Mm -hmm. And so sitting on the COVID-19 task force, as you do, you see this information coming across uh, with all the, the problems with the vaccine. Can you explain some of the things that you're seeing? Last time we spoke, you talked a lot about pregnancy and miscarriage and that kind of concern. But there's a heck of a lot more, more that you're seeing that are very that seems very problematic. Can you share what that is? What those yes. Things are? So let me just give you the updates as as 
the most recent updates um, for adverse effects. So in Europe, they have recorded 15,472 deaths and 1.5 million injuries from the vaccines. Um, in the US, we have in the VAERS system right now, the most current numbers are 5,993 deaths. Um, and what is the VAERS system? The VAERS is the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. It's for us uh -huh. to be able to monitor safety of vaccines. And okay. until the COVID vaccine rollout, we had never seen numbers of this magnitude in that system. So how many in the U.S. have died? And this is these are the government numbers, right? These are the numbers from the CDC, HHS, the VAERS system. Now, according to the CDC, um, according to their own data, VAERS only captures between 1% and 10% of all adverse effects. That's by their own numbers. So it's why, why is that? Why, why is that? It's so, why is it so low? That's because it's a voluntary reporting system. A lot of times the physicians or the patients don't know about it and they won't report it. I've had, I have a lot of doctors in one of my, my COVID-19 groups and they've said that the system's been down very often recently and they're not able to report. It also takes a significant amount of time for someone to go in and put these reports in. And a lot of times that's just not being done. So according to the own, their own uh, data, the government's reporting 5,000 deaths in the United States. I mean, is that enough of a reason to stop the, the, uh, the, in these injections? Why, why are they continuing? I cannot answer that question. However, I know previous vaccines like the swine flu vaccine was stopped after much fewer deaths than this. Um, orders of magnitude fewer. Um, typically five, five problems, major problems with a, with a medication. It'll have a black box warning that alerts people to certain adverse effects. Again, I'm talking to the whistleblower who sits on the COVID-19 task force, and she comes to us um, with some information about the 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 problems with the vaccine uh, that um, are you know, the things that are public information. But um, and she's she's an expert here uh, in this field. Uh, so let's let's talk about how the COVID shot affects fertility as far as what you can tell, uh, blood clotting, it, it causes blood clotting, deafness, blindness, seizures. What other things? That, I mean, that seems bad enough, but uh, tell us what you're seeing. So um, like I had mentioned, these nanoparticles go all over the body. So we're seeing adverse effects in virtually every single organ system of the body. We've had cases of blindness being re reported, deafness, seizures, other neurological problems, um, the clotting disorders are very common. Low platelets is another one that's very common. We have, as let's see, to date, 2,323 reports of heart attacks. Um, the myocarditis, which is the heart inflammation, you know about that. Those cases are mm -hmm. over 1,000 right now. They're especially... Right. That, that, there has been some public uh, reporting on that. Right. I've seen a small amount of that in the mainstream media as well. Um, but not a whole lot. Not a whole uh, lot. So, um, you know, a lot of people say, well, if this is true, then why doesn't every American know? I mean, I, I guess that's the <laughs> $64,000 question as to why it is, if these things are really happening, why aren't Americans being uh, told about the risks of the vaccine? I mean, I know you'd be speculating, but 
from your vantage point as someone who sits on the task force for COVID-19, what is the, why is this happening if it's true? What I can tell you is that I am in a group with hundreds of other physicians and scientists from all over the world. Many of them who do not have a secure position in, in their field, for example, they're not tenured, they cannot speak out. Many of the physicians have been threatened with having their licenses taken away for speaking against the narrative in any way. There was a, a physician that was recently a surgeon in Canada that was recently relieved of his position for speaking out against the narrative. Um, so we will get reports in my group of say, physicians and nurses telling us about patients that they've received or that they've treated with severe adverse effects in their hospitals, but they're not allowed to go public with it because everything has to go through their hospital's um, public relations department. And they're not going to, they're not going to do that. I can't tell you why. Well, I mean, we could speculate that it just doesn't fit the narrative, right? That, that right. Uh, the, the, whatever's going on, the narrative is you need to take the shot. COVID-19 is a pandemic. And if you don't, then you're responsible for people dying. You don't love your neighbor, you're selfish, you know, mm -hmm. and it's just this pressure that's being yep. put on people. Uh, and if they don't, they get canceled. They get uh, shut down. They're they're uh, and and silenced. Um, I, I have right. to believe at some point, if this is if what you're saying is true, that the information is going to get out and that, that the truth will be known and Americans will change their mm -hmm. behavior. But uh, I have my doubts. I mean, if we look at what's coming from our government right now, the CDC and the FDA, and especially Dr. Fauci. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you got to wonder. So if you would, Mr. Producer, cue up Dr. Fauci. This is the other day. He's talking about the new Delta variant. Of course, there's another variant coming, people. I mean, this I've been saying this for over a year that this there is no returning back to normal. Um, listen to Dr. Fauci, which, by the way, why is this guy still speaking on television? First of all, doesn't he have a day job? I don't get it. He's on TV all the time. How can he even stay up on what's going on if he's in front of TV cameras all the time? And isn't he the guy that, you know, uh, had something to do with the Wuhan lab and, and, and helping to get funding for the Wuhan lab and, and covering up the, uh, the, the truth about where the, uh, the virus initiated or where it came from? So I don't understand. I mean, other than the fact that we have a, a, a liberal Marxist administration in office right now covering his back and that he's got the right narrative. That's the only thing I can think of why he's still in position. But anyway, uh, every time I listen to him, it, the guy makes me ill. But we're going to go ahead and play this clip. This is Dr. Fauci talking about the Delta variant. Go ahead and play that. We are not done until we completely crush this outbreak. We seem, mm -hmm. as was the case with B117, we seem to be following the pattern with the Delta variant, with a doubling huh. time of about two weeks. If you look from the May 8th with 1.2 to 2.7 to 9.9, .9, and as of a couple of days ago, 20.6% of the isolates are Delta. Similar to the situation in the UK, the Delta variant is currently the greatest threat in the US to our attempt to eliminate COVID-19. Good news, our vaccines are effective 
against the Delta variant. Conclusion, we have the tools, so let's use them and crush the outbreak. I'll hand it now over to Dr. Walensky. We know our vaccines work against this variant. However, this variant represents a set of mutations that could lead to future mutations that evade our vaccine. And that's why it's more important than ever to get vaccinated now to stop the chain of infection, the chain of mutations that could lead to a more dangerous variant. Okay, well, there you have it, Dr. Fauci and the current, uh, I think she was the CDC director there. So let's ask you this, uh, whistleblower. Can you unpack that? What is Dr. Fauci talking about? Uh, you know, this new Delta variant. Um, if you would, is this a threat? And is he right that the, the vaccine is going to take care of it? So this is not a threat. And the reason why is emerging viruses typically will start out more virulent. And then over time, they will become less deadly because it's not in the virus's interest to kill its host. Now okay, they so said- stop there, stop there. I think that's a big point. Okay. When you, when you say virulent, that means that it's not as transmissible or and contagious. What do you mean by that? No, it would typically be more transmissible and less okay. deadly. Okay. So it's easier to catch, but it's not as deadly as the original COVID-19. Correct. Okay. Go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. So, Go ahead. Another thing I wanted to mention is this whole do this for your neighbor, do this to protect your neighbor, do this so that we don't have further mutations of variants. That is not true in any way, shape or form. There are several um, publications in the peer reviewed scientific literature that show that vaccinated people who are infected with COVID just have a lower viral load. That means they have less of the virus in their upper respiratory tract, but they still have the virus there. If they mm -hmm. have the virus and they have the antibodies, they are going to be the place where these variants are going to develop because the variants are going to want to escape those antibodies that are vaccine induced. It okay, is not so the explain unvaccinated. That in, explain that in layman's terms. What's going to happen with the Delta virus for those who are vaccinated? Well, for those who are vaccinated and they have these anti-spike antibodies, the virus is going to find a way to survive despite those anti-spike antibodies. That's how we're going to develop variants that escape the vaccines. That happened with our pertussis vaccines. We gave pertussis vaccines for many years, and it's very well established in the scientific literature that that is how we ended up with vaccine-resistant pertussis strains. It was a direct result of large-scale vaccination campaigns. So when the government says, and they are going to soon, and they're already talking about it, getting uh, people vaccinated a second time, taking the booster, uh, what good is that? What, what is that going to do? I don't see how that's going to do any good whatsoever. And we don't need it. We have very good protocols for early care and for, for early ambulatory care of COVID-19. There's no reason why this needs to be a death sentence, even for people with comorbidities, even for the elderly. We have treatment options without the vaccines. We do not need them. And what, what kind of treatment options now? What do we have well, available? There's ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, which are another thing that these physicians have been silenced on. These are very good drugs for early treatment of COVID-19 infections. Gotcha. So, again, I'm talking to the, list, to the whistleblower here today. She sits on the uh, COVID-19 task force. And just so you know, um, you know, she's very well credentialed. She has a master of science in 
nanoscience and microsystems, also a PhD in engineering focusing on nanoscience. And of course, like I say, sits on the task force for COVID-19 and we're talking about the vaccines and the problems with them. Uh, I've been hearing rumblings that the FDA is likely going to authorize the shot. Right now it is uh, still considered experimental, but eventually I would suspect that they're going to give full FDA approval and licensing. Uh, is that what you expect to happen here? I do. I do expect these to get full FDA approval. Even despite all of these, uh, the problems that you're bringing forward? Yep. They seem to be ignoring all these, all these issues with them. Okay. So why is that? I mean, and, and what, if they do that, what will that mean? So right now, under the emergency use, the the shots are experimental, which means that they have you have to voluntarily take them. Otherwise, that would be a violation of the Nuremberg Code for for medical research. Once they receive full FDA approval, they can be mandated for the military, and pretty much pretty much for everybody else by their employer. I mean, is that is that something in federal law? If it's mandated by the FDA, that companies and the government can mandate it. It's not necessarily something in federal law, but it's been challenged before in court. I, I believe that was with the anthrax vaccine. I see. But, so companies will now mm -hmm. have the green light to go ahead and mandate this to their employees without the threat of any lawsuits. Is that is that true? And, and also with the government? Yes, they can mandate the vaccines. Okay. Once they receive because right now, you know, Joe Biden recently said that they're not going to mandate it. And that's simply because it's still considered experimental. But once it gets its full authorization uh, and approval and licensing, you think that's all going to change. You think that we're going to begin to see requirements for the vaccine to uh, to hold a job, to travel, maybe, uh, you know, these kinds of things. Right. That's well, we're already expect. seeing it with Houston Methodist, and for sure the military will mandate it once it receives full approval. Unbelievable. Again, I'm talking to the uh, whistleblower today, sits on the task force for COVID-19. Uh, let's continue on uh, with the time where you have left here on the program. Let's talk about the animal vaccine trials. Uh, we talked about this a little bit in the last program. With you, you told me offline one time about the SARS one's fail, SARS one failure, when it came to vaccine trials. Why is that relevant? And what is SARS one? SARS one was an outbreak. It went to several countries, but it burned out in about six months. Um, SARS one is about eighty-five percent genetically identical to the virus that causes COVID nineteen, and. For many years, there was work on developing a vaccine against SARS-1. However, when it was given to animals, um, it was given to non-human primates, ferrets, numerous animal species, and there was some evidence upon challenge or later on when the animals encountered the virus, they became very ill. Um, another thing we saw was an immunopathology, which is basically where the immune system attacks the person and makes them very sick. And when, after all these studies, it was recommended that caution be used in proceeding to develop a coronavirus vaccine for humans. There's also a cat coronavirus vaccine that we developed that also made the cats very sick and ended up killing them. So there, there is already evidence suggesting that this is a really bad idea. 
And what about uh, the issues of aborted fetal cells? Now, again, we we discussed this the first time, but I, I think it deserves going back over. Um, these vaccines, the ones inv involved in Operation Warp Speed that you've mentioned today, all involved fetal cell lines. Obviously, the mor moral problem involved in that is one thing. But in, in the short time that we have, is there a problem in using fetal cells uh, to develop vaccines beyond the moral and ethical problem? Yes. So there is scientific literature that links specific health issues to the use of abortal cell lines in vaccines. Um, that would take a significant amount of time, but just in the time that we have, if you'll recall mm. when the Israelites were in the desert, they had cursed objects with them and God told them having this cursed object puts a curse on the whole camp. All right, so I have one last question for the whistleblower, and that is this. Based on the information that you've given us today, what would you recommend Americans do with that information? Take it and share it with everybody you know. Do not take this vaccine. If you've already taken it, do not take any boosters ever again. Do not give this experimental vaccine to your children. We're starting to see them on the various reports as deaths. It, 6,000 deaths is enough. Let's stop. Let's get this information out. If you know a pregnant woman, tell her no experimental medication, no experimental vaccines for her and her baby. Again, you've been listening to your radio activist here on the Mark Harrington Show. My guest today is a whistleblower who sits on the COVID-19 task force. And we'll see you next time. God bless you. God bless America. And remember, America, to bless God. You've been listening to Mark Harrington, your radio activist. For more information on how to make a difference for the cause of life, liberty, and justice, go to createdequal.org. To follow Mark, go to markharringtonshow.com. Be sure to tune in next time for your marching orders in the culture war.